Hey there, do you want a painless Passover? Or rather, I should say pre-Passover. Well, I've got you covered. You can join Painless Pesach, a 45-day challenge designed by professional organizer and founder of Balagan Begone, Rebecca Saltzman, to get us decluttered and ready for Pesach. And this 45-day online course is only $18. Yes, for $18, you will finally have a decluttered home by Passover. But hurry, the challenge starts March 3rd. A structured calendar with bite-sized tasks per day, ranging from 15 to 60 minutes a day, tons of lists to get your planning going and in an organized fashion, and tons of online support from Rebecca. It all starts March 3rd, so head over to RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash JLP to grab your 45-day challenge painless Pesach for just $18. What are you waiting for? That's RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash JLP. Jewish Latin Princess, episode 89, Sarah Hannah Silverstein, master herbalist and author of Moodtopia. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. All right, ladies, do you struggle with mood swings? Well, don't we all? No. In all seriousness, are there certain emotions that often just take over your life? You feel like they control you? My guest says she has a solution, a natural solution. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're moving to Moodtopia. What's Moodtopia, you ask? And Sarah Hada Silverstein is here to tell us. She is the author of the newly released book, Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress, and Find Balance Using Herbal Remedies, Aromatherapy, and More. Her book received accolades from renowned names in the wellness space, such as Deepak Chopra, Dr. Aviva Ram, and Maim Bialik. Sarahana is a master herbalist, classical homeopath, board-certified lactation consultant. She's the mother of a mother of seven, and she's the creator of the APP Sarahana's Breastfeeding Guide. She is regularly featured on CBS, ABC, NBC, and Fox News, as well as other media outlets, discussing how people can integrate alternative with conventional medicine. We talk about that today. We talk about herbs, lifestyle, and more. But before I bring Sarah Hanna on, I want to share wonderful news on my end. If you follow me on social media or you're subscribed to my newsletter, you might have heard that my oldest daughter has qualified to go to New York as her school's representative in the international Hidon competition. For the second year in a row, actually, she will be the only girl from her school to go on stage and represent her school. The International Chidon Sefer Mitzvah is the name of this wonderful yearly program, and it's an incredible project of Jewish pride and of love of Torah. And this year, my daughter is looking for sponsors to help her join hundreds, well, actually, it's thousands of other hardworking Jewish girls in a weekend of unity, belonging, sharing their Torah learning with the world. So if you want to be part of something huge, and trust me, it's huge, and support Jewish women's empowerment, I mean, what could be bigger than that, right? And Torah learning for women, you can go to chidondrive.com 
forward slash 140145. Chidon is spelled C-H-I-D-O-N. So it's chidondrive.com forward slash 140145. And there you enter the password chidondrive5779 to access her fundraising page. And I have to say, I was a little hesitant about this fundraising initiative, but... The truth is people ask for help on sponsoring runners or cyclists, right? We've, we've done it. Our friends have done it, our cousins or nephews, whatever, and so on. And my daughter is running a different kind of marathon. She's running the 613 Mitzvah Learning Marathon. And she's running it with thousands of hardworking girls to complete a five-year mission of learning each one of the 613 mitzvot in depth with the international Chidon Sefer Mitzvahs. So if you want to show your support, go to chidondrive.com forward slash 140145 and enter the password chidondrive5779 to access her fundraising page. I'm sure she will be eternally grateful. I actually had a donor on Instagram on Sunday who said it so beautifully after she sent in her donation. And by the way, she doesn't even know me or my daughter personally. She said, I love that she's showing the world what Jewish girls can do. My sentiments exactly. So that's a plug for my daughter's amazing achievement and for Jewish women's empowerment and Torah learning for women, etc. But now let's move on to our lives. Let's go for that moodtopia. All right. Here's Sarah Hannah Silverstein. Hannah Silverstein, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Yeah, Elle, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you about your new book. Congratulations on the new book, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of hard work, and I'm glad it finally went to press. I'm sure. The book is Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress, and Find Balance Using Herbal Remedies, Aromatherapy, and More. You've been practicing as a herbalist, a homeopath, and a lactation consultant also for many years. So tell us what prompted you to write this book, especially about taming our moods and so on? Was it something different things that you were seeing in your practice that was the impetus? Or was there also a personal maybe situation that drove you to it? Give us the backstory. So what happened was I I first started working as a lactation consultant helping women with breastfeeding problems. And I had studied herbal medicine when I was in university, but not professionally more as a layman. And I saw that a lot of the challenges that my clients were having, I knew they could be treated naturally. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not against Western medicine. Mm. I love x-rays. I love casts. <laughs> if you, God forbid, break your leg. I love, love MRI machines. But I fell for simple things like breast infections and ear infections with babies. I could treat it naturally. So I went back to school and I did a five-year program in classical homeopathy, loved it madly, and felt that with homeopathy, you really need a practitioner because homeopathy is quite complicated. So I went back to school and did a three-year program in herbal medicine because I felt that herbs were something that every woman, man, teenager could learn to use on their own. Mm. So after, you know, over 25 years of working with, thank God, thousands and thousands of moms and kids and husbands, I said, I've got to write a book because herbs are considered people's medicine. And that means that, you know, you can go to Home Depot, buy for, you know, $2.99 an herb called lemon, gro- lemon balm, 
grow it on your windowsill, grow it in your backyard, and I can teach you how to make about eight different medicines from that lemon balm. So I'm thinking like, you know, what should I write a book on? Colds, flus, allergies, like, you know, high blood pressure. And then it hit me that most of my clients whether they're super successful or not yet as successful as they want to be, they all seem to be struggling with their emotions and their moods. Hmm. And as I interviewed more and more people, they felt that their moodiness, whether it's frustration or sadness or depression, was getting in the way of being successful in whatever area of life they want to be successful. And I went, boing, that's the book I need to write. How to use herbs to help us be in control of our moods so our moods don't control us. Oh, that sounds very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, that's my little catchphrase. I love it. And Yael, as I did my research, this is what the stats today say, and they're ever-changing. And do we even know if the statistics are completely correct? But it says like this, in the U.S., one out of five Americans are on psychotropic drugs. These psychotropic drugs are usually prescribed by their GP, their general practitioner. Mm-hmm. People are not warned about the side effects. And once they're on these medications, there's not a plan on how to wean off of them. Now, I want to say that psychotropic drugs for people that have borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia um, or bipolar can change and save their lives. So right. my book is not anti-psychotropic meds. It's, are we using it in the best way possible? Um, Are there other options before we take that leap to psychotropic drugs? And this is what I've noticed, Yael. There's like a portion of our society that's like totally positive, totally fine, Mm -hmm. and coping. Then there's on the other end of the spectrum, people that are really emotional disasters for whatever reason. Maybe they were abused as a child for reasons, of course. And then there's all the rest of us in the middle. And we sometimes feel like a disaster. Yes. Sometimes feel like we've got it together. Uh But most of the time, we're kind of hanging in this kind of area where like, we need more support. And that's where herbs shine. Herbs shine for people that are like, well, you know, I've got to do some public speaking at my job. Do I either quit my job or do I have a panic attack before I do it? Mm. And that's where an herb like Goldcap can really help with that nervousness. Let's say you're really terrified to fly on an airplane, but you find that a sleeping pill just makes you feel too sick. That's a time an herb called Blue Vervain may really help. So there's so many instances in our lives where the tool of using herbs can really help us. And I don't feel our culture is familiar at all with it, Yael. No, we definitely are not. I mean, I was reading the book and I was like, oh my God, I I, I didn't know any of this. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I'm doing podcasts like your wonderful podcast, because I really want us to share with people and educate people that herbs are there for us. They're not addictive. There's no side effects. If you have, you know, decide not to use them, there's no withdrawal symptoms. People can use them for a month, not use them for two weeks, use them for three weeks. Herbs are something that's there. We can keep them in our backpacks and our purses. And when we need them, they're remarkable and they do make a difference. So, so I want to talk about how to do it. But first, I want to mention, actually, because when I when I said that I didn't know 
a lot of the things that you said on the book, it just reminded me that actually I have gone the herbs route, but it has been through Chinese doctors. I used to live in China. So I am familiar with herbs, but it kind of always kind of I always associated with I didn't know what they were giving me. And I just had to drink these herbs and they actually did work. But when I was reading the book, it was like more like, oh, I could like you mentioned before, I could actually do it myself. <laughs> so there is a difference between Chinese herbs and Western herbs and Chinese herbalists and Western herbalists, although we do cross over and use a lot of similar herbs. So with Chinese medicine, they have an amazing history where there are pre-made blends and the practitioner needs to have you fit in with a pre-existing blend or formula. With Western herbalists, we tend to create our own formulations for the client that's sitting with us in the room. For instance, if we talk about someone with nervousness, they're gonna say, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. And one client could have nervousness where they have insomnia and they hate eating. The next client can, with the same description of nervousness, can say that they sleep all the time and they overeat. Mm. So we have that same feeling of nervousness that presents itself in two different ways. So for me, I'm gonna make two different blends for that same condition of nervousness. So with Chinese herbalists, they use their traditional formulas and they're limited. I'm not saying they're not effective. I think they're fabulously effective, but we custom make our blends and even more so, Western herbalists wanna teach our clients about the herbs. So if they can't get in touch with us or they're traveling, Yael, they can go create the blends themselves mm -hmm. and then they're more empowered and not dependent on me as a practitioner. So to what extent can we DIY this? Because you mentioned the practitioner, you mentioned the client, but there's also an aspect where you're empowered to do this. But I mean, should I first consult, you know, have a few sessions with a person like you before I even decide to, to, to try this? Like, to what extent can I really DIY it? So for those people that have access to it, a master herbalist, and I'm considered a master herbalist and can afford it, Yael, it's worth it because herbalists will teach their clients how to use the herbs on their own. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't able to do that. It's not available in your area. That's why I wrote the book Moodtopia, because in my book, I talk about all the different herbs, how they're used, and I give examples from different clients just to give you that extra personal feeling. So I will talk about the herb skullcap, which I mentioned before, which is used for nervousness, nervous tension, that tension you have in your feeling when you just feel agitated. Skullcap is an herb you can take that will calm you down. And in my book, Moodtopia, I give an example so you can see if it sounds somewhat familiar for you, mm -hmm. to you. So I did try to write my book in a way that people could DIY it themselves mm -hmm. because that's my ultimate goal. And what about, you also talk about essential oils. You talk about aromatherapy. Are those things that we could also try to tackle on our own? Sure. So aromatherapy is very, very fatty right now. And it sells in airports. I travel a lot. I <laughs> speak all over the country and I'm always like, wow, look at all those essential oils. For me as a practitioner who is passionate about essential oils, I don't feel they're as curative 
as taking herbs internally. Now, aromatherapists across the U.S. are like, Sarahan is wrong. But I have to tell you that I use aromatherapy in a very different way. What, I'll give a perfect example. Let's say you have a child that has some sleep issues. Mm-hmm. And they, they have trouble unwinding and falling asleep. Well, clinical studies show that lavender oil can help induce sleep. Now, lavender oil is not going to work like a magic pill. You're not going to take a couple drops of lavender oil, have your child inhale it, and then your child's going to be a perfect princess, right? (laughs) Oh my God, mom, as a matter of fact, I want to go to sleep. But how you can use aromatherapy for this example, this case is, what I tell my clients is put like two or three drops of the lavender oil in their bath every night. Then when they come out of the bath, put a couple drops on their nightgown. So they start to smell and associate lavender with sleep. Mm -hmm. Then take a couple drops of the lavender oil and put it on their pillow. So what will happen is subconsciously, they will make an association between that smell and bedtime. Mm -hmm. So even if they fight it, their body will have an association. So our olfactory system, our nasal smelling system, is very much associated with smells. For instance, if your grandmother always baked an apple pie every time you went and visited her, every time you smell an apple pie, even if she's not around, you're going to make that association with your grandmother and apple pie. I tell the story that I love to hike when I'm in Los Angeles. I live between Los Angeles and New York, and I hike a canyon called Fryman Canyon. And there's one little part of it that smells like pine. Every time I go past that spot, I remember being in horse camp when I was eight years old. Now, it's been quite a while (laughs) since I'm eight years old. And no matter what I do, I remember that because that smell of pine reminds me of that incident. So I use essential oils to help create memories that we need. Mm. I'm sleeping or let's say... Every time you have an appointment with your boss, you flip out and have a panic attack. So you could take a, an essential oil like sandalwood, which I love, and you can put it on a tissue and inhale and say, I'm not going to have a panic attack when I'm with my boss. I'm not going to have a panic attack when I'm with my boss. Are you brainwashing yourself? Of course you're brainwashing yourself. But then you'll get to a point where every time you smell sandalwood, you'll calm down and not have that panic attack. So another example is, because I fly around the country a lot these days, is I was on a flight from New York to Detroit, and the guy next to me forgot to bathe. So I was going to say to him, excuse me, sir, like, didn't your mom (laughs) teach you this? But, you know, you can't really do that in public. So I took out my little essential oil that is easy to travel with. (laughs) On three ounces, I put a couple drops on my tissue. And I got to tell you, Yael, that essential oil saved my flight because I just breathed in an essential oil the whole flight. So (laughs) there was essential oil saving a person's life. So I know that we can use them in an amazing way, but I don't feel they're gonna cure our anxiety, stress, frustration, like taking herbs internally. Mm. Can I tell you one more story about it? Please. Okay, great. Because I really, I don't wanna make people not be in love with essential oils. I just don't want people to get frustrated by saying, I've been breathing in this smell for a month and I'm still depressed. You need to do more. So um, my daughter, which I do speak about in the book, was in the hospital. We were in the hospital. Um, She had been hit by a car. We thought she was okay. And 
she ended up becoming paralyzed from her shoulders down. She's now, thank God, Baruch Hashem, much better. She's mm. 95% healed. But we were in the hospital for seven months, and hospitals don't smell nice. No. They don't smell nice at all. They smell like death. They smell like bleeding. They smell like bleach. It's not a pretty place to be in. So after being a couple weeks in the hospital, I got different essential oils that I started spraying in the hospital room. And it definitely made us feel better. But what was amazing was the nurses mm-hmm. started commenting, oh, I love that smell, Sarakana. What's that smell? And they started coming to our room to see what essential oils we had. And what happened was my daughter ended up getting better care, Yael, because it became a place where people wanted to be. Yeah, they were walking in with a smile, I bet you. With a smile. Mm-hmm. And what was amazing was it just changed the dynamic energy of the hospital room. Now, my daughter was still struggling to survive. It was not pleasant for her, but at least the environment lightened up. And even the nurses, Yael, came in and said, do you mind if I eat lunch in here? Your room certainly (laughs) smells better than other places. So we became this center of nice smells and healing as opposed to just pain and suffering. So that's a miracle story. So do I believe that those aromatherapies cured my daughter? They did not, but they gave her the comfort of the beautiful smells and it became a place where the nurses and doctors looked forward to entering the room as opposed to being intimidated by coming in. You basically created Moodtopia inside the hospital for everybody. You got it. You got it. Yay, Yael. We created Moodtopia, and that's how I share and, 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 and teach my clients how to use essential oils. So let's describe this concept, Moodtopia, um, which you t- it's, it's the title of your book. It's what you want us all to achieve. Take us, take us there. <laughs> and it's my hashtag, and everybody <laughs> listening can follow me on um, Instagram. My Instagram is Sarahana S which is S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A-S. But when people read the book and have questions, they hashtag Moodtopia. I really love that. So as I said before, I feel that reaching your Moodtopia is being in control of your mood so they don't control you. Mm -hmm. For instance, if you're very upset with a principal and what's going on with your child at school, to walk in and lose it on the principal is not going to get you what you need. Right. But being upset and determined to make a difference will. Let me give a marvelous example of my mother. So I lived and I was raised in the Hollywood Hills in California where we have twisty, twisty, twisty streets and we have all these canyons and there was this one corner where there was always a near accident. And my mother would say every day, thank God we didn't get killed today. And after a while, she started getting really angry. Like, this is ridiculous. Doesn't the city know what a danger this is? So she called the city being angry and said, hey, we need a stop sign there. So this was before Facebook and Instagram. And the city said, no problem. If you want a stop sign there, you need a thousand signatures. So since my mother was so angry about these near accidents, she went and knocked on every single door in the neighborhood, got her thousand signatures. And to this day, there's a stop sign there. 
So her anger did something to better the world. Now, if she was just angry and moping around and stomping her feet, she wouldn't get anything done. So anger, which can be negative, can also be positive. So my mother reached her moodtopia by taking this anger and making a change in the world. Mm -hmm. So that showed that her anger at first, she wasn't in control of it. She was frustrated. She didn't know what to do. She really felt that it was dangerous. She took that impetus of anger and problem solved and changed the world. So when we have these emotions, anger, frustration, sadness, they may seem very intimidating and overwhelming, but they have a positive side to them. You know, when people get depressed, sometimes they just need to change their job. They just need to like work on their relationship, maybe get marriage counseling. So that feeling of depression and feeling stuck means you need to make a change. Mm -hmm. And that's where herbs can come in. Mm. The herb's not gonna change the situation, but it can calm your central nervous system down bring a little joy to your heart and make it that you can see clearer the action that you need. For instance, there's an herb called Bacopa. Bacopa is an herb, it's an Ayurvedic herb. It's been used in India for generations. And this herb can help with brain fog. So if you're so frustrated that you're foggy and you can't even see through the clouds, taking Bacopa from a couple weeks will Make your vision, not just your eye vision, but your mind vision clearer so you can problem solve. So in Moodtopia, in the back of the book, I have a 90-day plan to be more in control of your moods. And I give you little ideas to do every day to learn how to use these moods to better your life and yourself. Amazing. And Really, what you're saying is just such a Jewish concept, this idea of controlling your moods, your emotions, so they don't control you, right? And being able to yeah. use your your mind over your emotions, as, right. as well as the idea of de- um, sadness, no, being, could be something bad, depression, what we call in Hebrew, atzbus, or could be something that could propel you to action, what we call mirrors, yeah. right? That which it's yeah. this bitterness that you can have, but you really can turn your, you can use to turn it around for something good, to lift you up, t- to make a change. This is really unbelievable. Um, right. Before you, before you started training in all this, were you an observant Jewish woman then? This is something that ties into your Jewish background or that came later? I went to Hillel Hebrew Academy as a girl in Los Angeles, which is a more modern Orthodox environment. Um, We moved and I ended up going to public school, but my mother still lit Shabbos candles every Friday night and tried to make a Shabbos meal. And um, I was actually a childhood actress, Yael, in Los (laughs) Angeles. Really? Movies and television um, from the age of five till 18. And when I was in university... um, I, I really started to explore the world and I refell in love with Judaism from an adult perspective mm. and then I became more observant. Um, I had seen a lot in the world and I felt that that in order to survive and thrive, you need structure. I was a gymnast and I competed internationally. I was actually the AAU Junior Olympic champion. I did a movie of the week called Nadia 
about Nadia Comaneci, the mm -hmm. Romanian gymnast. I played her friend, Teodoro Ungurianu. And I saw growing up um, as a gymnast that there's a certain foundation. You need to keep your muscles strong. And there's rules around the equipment in order to not injure yourself. So I knew that there had to be rules in life to be able to stay married, raise your children in a, in a, in a, in a healthy way, and rules for environment and society. And when I found out um, these rules, it really inspired me to live a more observant life. For instance, when we talk about recycling, in Judaism, if you have a paper that comes out of a safer or a book, you need to bury it. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that's recycling the tree because paper is made out of tree or papyrus was made out of a different plant. And when you take that paper and you dig it in the ground, you're replenishing and refurbishing the ground. So look at that. I mean, all these new people think that they're, you know, so <laughs> funky. But Torah has been doing it for generations. Isn't that amazing? It is. It's really, it's really amazing. Um, and, and, and like you said, it gives structure to every aspect of our life. It's like there is nothing that's being overlooked. And that's what I love about it. And, you know, I also studied classical ballet. I was a ballet mm. dancer also. And, you know, there's the five basic positions. And when you master those five positions, you can do any kind of dance that you want. Modern, hip hop. Really, that's the foundation to how our body moves. So I feel the same thing with Torah and Jewish law is that it's not repressive like the world thinks. Right. It's a foundation for freedom. Correct. And when you have those laws and those rules, it really empowers you to be as creative as humanly possible, but still stay in a healthy relationship and a healthy place. Hey ladies, if you are enjoying this podcast, you might also enjoy the Francisca show. You might remember Francisca from this podcast, Jewish Latin Princess, where she was my guest on episode 39. On her show, Francisca, an observant Jewish recording artist, composer, and producer, interviews Jewish women in the world of art and entertainment. They talk about opportunities, issues, and their journey as artists in the Jewish community, as well as other hot topics in Jewish life. You can find the Francisca show wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. So talking about healthy places, you describe in your book the what you've coined the cycle of sanity. And I thought that was so... Um, I guess brilliant because it was simple and but it was very clear and to the point. Can you describe it for listeners? Because I think it was just resonates with most of us. Right. So the cycle of sanity means that we tend to go through a series of emotions quite regularly that we're unaware of. Like 
I remember I'm, I'm a mother of seven kids. I have a girl, five boys, and another girl, Blan Hara. So happy to say. And, you know, I, it was hard living in Brooklyn, New York, in a small apartment with seven children. And I would like... Especially you're my... coming from beautiful California. Come yes, on. <laughs> it was so hard. And I would like stomp my foot and throw my head back and say, I've never been this angry before. And my kids were like, yeah, you were an hour ago. But I go, oh my God, I forgot. So in Cycle of Sanity, what I say is that we begin in happiness and something frustrates us. And then we get to either sad sadness, anger, or depression. And then we have this insight and then we have a solution and that leads us back to happiness. And I believe that that insight is what is more fulfilling than plain happiness. I'll give an example. So as you said, I'm an LA girl transplanted to New York. So when you're in New York, anybody that lives on the East Coast knows that each person needs five jackets. You need a jacket for when it's raining, but it's not cold for when it's raining and it is cold. You need a jacket for when it's snowing. You need a jacket in the fall. You need a jacket in the spring. And then of course you need your Shabbos jacket. I'm getting just, I'm getting nervous just hearing this, the clutter. (laughs) Already I have six jackets. And if we had nine people living in the house, I'm six. I mean, we had like 50, 60 jackets. So in the summer, I would take all those jackets and fold them up, put them in a box and put it up high on a shelf I had in the ceiling. So when fall would come, I know I should be like praying for Mashiach or praying for world peace, but I would pray. <laughs> Please, God, don't make New York cold. I can't take those jackets down. I have no place for 60 jackets in my Mm. tiny apartment. So lo and behold, the wind would come, it would rain, and I would still be begging, please, God, don't make it cold. But lo and behold, it'd be cold. So I would take down this jacket, all this box of jackets, and I would be frustrated. Remember, I was happy, and all of a sudden, I'd be frustrated. And I'd say, I have no place. I don't have a closet to fit all these jackets. So then I would get sad, and then I would get angry, and I'd say to my husband, I never wanted to move to New York, but I bet you we were going to live in L.A. So I am in New York. And then I would Now it's all his fault. Right? I, of course, it's always his fault. And then I would get depressed and go, I never wanted to live in New York. Who can live with feather with with weather like this? And what happened once was I was taking my kids to the dentist, and this was way before the internet. And I'm looking at a Bed Bath and Beyond catalog, and I see they have this wall unit with 60 hooks. And I have this realization <laughs> that if I order this these this wall unit with hooks, I will have a place for those 60 jackets, and I truly can survive another winter in New York. <laughs> And all of a sudden, once I put up that unit, I became happy. So what happens is we get frustrated, we get sad and depressed. And the second we understand a solution like, oh, that's why my husband's like that. Or, oh, now I get why my kid's like that. That realization brings joy to our heart. So there's a wonderful story with Shlomo HaMelech, which I talk about in my book, Moodtopia. Shlomo HaMelech was the king, basically, of the world at that Mm -hmm. time. And he wanted to to be given the most beautiful ring in the world. So he put out an edict. Whoever makes me the most beautiful ring will get all kinds of prizes and money. So everybody came with diamonds and rubies and rubles and gorgeous, gorgeous rings. And he was like, no, this isn't what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. And a simple Jewish man got a little gold band and he wrote on the band, this too shall pass and handed that to Shlomo Amelech. And that was the ring that won. 
So my cycle of sanity is associated with that. Even when we get to that point of sadness and depression. And you know, unfortunately, bad things do happen to good people. They do. They do all the time. And whenever someone's depressed or sad or frustrated, it's with real reason. Right. But the way Hashem, God, has created the world is it's going to pass and you're going to have an insight. And that was the ring that Shlomo Melech wore on his finger. This too shall pass. So it's very hard in the time of crisis to get that in your brain. But you can practice that all the time. And if you look at the phases and the cycling in your life, you know that to be true. Like even if you're a woman and you have menstrual cramps, I mean, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. This is the worst. And you know what? 48 hours later, you're like, oof, I lived through that one. I'm okay. So we see that the world cycles, the season cycle, the Yom Tovim cycle, women's cycles, and our mood cycle. And it's very important to know that when you're in the depth of your sadness, you need to be there. You need to resonate with it, understand it, see if there's a lesson you can learn with it. But then take an herb like lemon balm or passion flower or skullcap or or valerian root help you get out of that sadness. And in retrospect, you're going to have learned something from that sadness. And that's what the book Moodtopia is about, honoring these moods, knowing they're there for a reason. There's something we can learn from them and having that confidence that they're going to pass. Yes. And you, you said, you know, we could take an herb, but you even go so far, which I found fascinating to give us a whole arsenal in our toolkit, not just the herbs, but, you know, acts, acts of kindness and working with the colors in our surroundings. So talk to us about all these other things that we could be doing to help us keep that mindset of this too shall pass. So, you know, random acts of kindness is like, a big thing that we need to include in our life. The Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke about the importance of random acts of kindness. And I was young and I was like, yeah, right, that's going to bring world peace. <laughs> and then as I got older, I looked at the clinical studies on it. So when a person does a random act of kindness, besides benefiting the person they're helping, what happens to the woman, the person doing the random act is, your cortisol levels go lower and your blood pressure decreases. Mm. So all of a sudden I said, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is more brilliant than I thought. That is a brilliant thing to include in our lives. So even if you're having a terrible day or a terrible week or a terrible month, and sometimes we even have awful years, including random acts of kindness will lower our cortisol levels and it can really change the person's life in front of us. You know, I talk about in Mutopia about a story where I had a double stroller and I had two kids hanging off the stroller and it was right before Shabbos and I had forgotten to buy gefilte fish and I had to go into one last store and it started raining and I was figuring out how I could do it and how do I get in the store. And in New York at the time, there were not, to get into stores, there were not little, you know, where you can step on the, on the ground and the doors open. So this one guy opened the door for me and held it open. And I got to tell you, Yael, it changed my whole day. Mm -hmm. That little simple act of kindness made it that I didn't yell at my kids as much. So including random acts of kindness is very important in your life. Color, color is an amazing thing. Color actually vibrates. 
And the way we see colors is the wavelengths at what energy that they vibrate at. So I had my palette done many, many years ago. And getting your palette done means that a woman looked at my eye color and my hair color and my skin color. And she gave me a palette of colors that helped me radiate, help bring out the best in me. So if you're having a bad day, week, month or year, which we all have, as I said before, if you put on a vibrant turquoise or a yellow or a deep purple, when you look in the mirror, you will feel less sad because the energy of that color will change the vibrational energy around you. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing story of this big football team. And the coach, what he did was he painted the opposing team's room pink, the locker room pink. So here would be these big, huge football guys and the toilet seats were pink (laughs) and the walls were pink and the locker was pink. And what happened is pink is such a soothing, calming color that it would temper their personalities. So the opposing teams were complaining. We don't want to be in a pink room. But he knew that subconsciously they would feel a little bit more passive if they're around pink. So that was a way to show all of us and teach us that color really has an impact in our lives. So it's important to, if you're working in a little small, you know, little, little alcove and it's really depressing and lonely, put some vibrant color around you. Mm-hmm. And it's important, even on your Shabbos table, if you're sad or not having a great week, it is worth spending that 10 or 12 bucks on some flowers to brighten up that table. Right. And if you don't want to real use real plates, Put some vibrant color plates on your table. Color affects us. And I feel, especially I'm in New York right now, a lot of us out here wear blacks and grays because the colors are black and gray. This is the time to bring in an orange or a vibrant color. And my clients that include color in their life, they do feel that they can reach their moodtopia and be more in control of their lives, their emotions, not our lives. We can't control what happens to us, <laughs> only how we respond. Only how and we react. Only how we react. And that's Topia talks about. Very, very true. You also dedicate a chapter to intuition. My goodness, big one for women. We are so intuitive. But um, unfortunately, we kind of over the years, sometimes I feel at least personally, um, that we stop listening to our intuition. It's and it's so important. Talk to us about intuition. Right. Uh, so, so, so intuition is, you know, like, like it is, it is a womanly attribute. Men do have it, but women do have it more. And, you know, we always wonder, like, how do we lose our intuition? So I kind of want to blame our moms <laughs> because, like, you can, like, walk outside and your mom's like, where's your sweater? Put it on. It's freezing. And you look up at your mom and go, oh, you know, even if you're like three or five years old, I don't feel cold. And your mother stomps her foot and says, not only is it freezing, you got to zip it up. So what happens a lot and also when we have guests at our Shabbos table, you know, I have a perfect example where I had a guest and two of my kids said, we don't like him. He's creepy. And my response was, well, it's obvious you well, love a fellow Jew. It's really important to be nice. Mm-hmm. The truth is he turned out to be a creepy guy. Mm-hmm. So here I was putting down my kids' intuition, telling them that they need to rise above it. And very often we need to not rise above it. Yes. And that's the most important thing. If you feel in your gut something is 
wrong, you need to walk away from it. Because what happens all the time is parents will come in here and bring their kids and go, you know, I knew that this was going to be the wrong teacher for my child. And now my child is getting kicked out of school. Last year, my child had a great year. And if that mother or father went with their gut instinct, this child may not be suffering for it. So in order to get in touch with your intuition, you need to work on it. You need to practice it. I do have step-by-step ideas in Moodtopia on how to reignite it in your body, but it's something that most of us has crushed. And the question is, how do you know whether it's Yatesahara? <gasps> yes. Explanation or whether it's intuition. So right. how do we know if it's coming from the ego side of us itself, yes. or how do we come know that it's coming from our more elevated self? Right. So it's really hard to determine, but with a kid, if they say they want three lollipops, (laughs) you know, that's not their intuition that they need three lollipops. One is fine. And that's the Yatesahara, the ego or evil evil inclination. So let's say you want to uh, make a charity event to help people. That's coming from a good place. But if halfway through you realize how much money you're making for this charity and you decide to take 50% for (laughs) yourself, then that's your ego. So your intuition is does not want to do anything but keep you safe and make the world a better place. That's really what the truth of the matter is. Our ego wants us to, you know, be famous, have, you know, like expensive cars and have, you know, like 25 dresses. Our intuition is like, you know, I like these three dresses. I don't really need more than that. Unless, of course, you're a businesswoman, you know, an an attorney in court all the time. Of course, you have to really judge it. But your intuition is really to keep you and your loved ones safe. So if you feel like this teacher is not good for your child, even if everybody says this is the best teacher in the school, if you intuitively feel it's not going to work for your child, then you need to fight to make sure that child gets another teacher. So you have to ask yourself, this gut feeling, is this for safety of my children and myself and my loved ones, safety for our physical, our emotional and our soul? And it's something that everybody can tune back into. And we would do such a good service to our children because the truth is as we get, as they get older and they have to make, you know, putting safety aside, but even with life's choices, like career and things like that, very often I think of myself and a lot of my friends, we often talk about looking back, right? And as a child, you intuitively know where your talents are, what you love, what you're good at. But somehow for many of us along the way, we get derailed because our parents suggest something and our parents, peers and friends and the college counselor and the I don't know who, right? And there's a, a certain way that we must follow. And meanwhile, it really maybe wasn't what really we needed to be doing. And People only realize that maybe 10, 15 years later. Absolutely. So sometimes making lists of the good and bad of certain decisions, especially as children age and let them really analyze the good side of the column and the not good side of the column. Mm hmm. And then have them say, look, after we've made the pros and cons of this decision, what do you intuitively feel is right? 
And sometimes you need to see some facts and your intuition is going to pop in because it's there. It's that gut feeling. Um, it's it's in our stomachs um, before it's even in our brains. And now we know we have serotonin and other emotional hormones um, uh, that are in our stomach. And that's why it's called our gut response. But you have to work on it. You have to stop, do some breathing and say, what do I intuitively feel right here? Yeah. And you have to go with that. Yeah, we all have to work at it. Sarah Khanna, I going to ask you something that I just recently decided I'm going to start asking my guests. So you're going to be the first. So indulge me here. Happy, happy to be the first. <laughs> but you've been such a great guest. So I think you're going to do great at this. What does a joyful, richer Jewish life mean to you? That is actually a hard question. I mean, I would first say a supportive community. Mm. And that's really hard in our bigger communities. I think people get that more in smaller communities. I think keeping ourselves updated and educated on Jewish law and the Parsha would make a a richer life. Um, I know that the weekly Parsha influences our lives every week. And someone like myself, who's so busy with so many clients, I forget to tune in and see what is that lesson of the Parsha per week. You know, I'll tell you a great story. When I was in my final edits of Moodtopia, I had a friend of mine up in Muncie. And um, because it was a way, I had to get away from my office and my children in order to (laughs) do those final edits. And every Wednesday, Wednesday night, she had a Torah class on the Parsha. And every Thursday morning, she had a yoga class. And I used to go up there and listen to the Parsha. And it was so powerful that that, I think, um, influenced the rest of my weeks. And it's funny because I just texted her the other day and I said, next year, I'm coming up for your Wednesday classes. So I think that helps make a richer Jewish life. I, I, I so appreciate that. And it's such a good reminder. I can relate to it, too. Sometimes I get to my Shabbos table and I'm like, oh, my goodness, like I didn't take time to explore what the Parsha had to say this week and how it applies to my life. And I'm sitting there, my children are teaching me and that's great and wonderful. But there is something to be said for us ourselves having that conversation with God, which he's trying to have with us and, you know, knowing what's happening because it's, uh, it's for us every week. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's something I'd like to take on more. It's funny, because I was just thinking about that. That's why I texted my friend. And And I think that when you tune into the Parsha, and you let it radiate throughout the week, I think the week will make a little more sense to all of us. Hmm. Yes, yes, that is definitely a good one to take on. Hmm. I might join you on that. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blanks. And here's where I give you a sentence and you're just going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, sure. I'm Sarah Hanna Silverstein and I feel most spiritual when when I'm involved in nature. Mm, you can't you can't take the California girl out of you can you yeah no way <laughs> how do you, what what do you do now that you've lived so many years in Brooklyn like how do you get that part of you nourished let's say um do you get to escape a little bit from time to time I, or what do you do I have a lot of plants in my office mm. and in my house I have a lot of live plants my husband and I take about a four and a half mile walk um, every Shabbos. That's something we've taken on so we can go over to the park and see what it looks like. Um, nice. It is, it is a struggle for me because that's really, um, it's, it's very hard when you live in Brooklyn and you see people that are rough and tough and mean. It, it's, it's hard to see Hashem in the world sometimes. Mm. So nature really does that for me. Yeah. My favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is... I like making challah every week. Mm. That's something I've done for a very long time. And that kind of brings me um, 
back into the world. Yeah, I like it too. I enjoy it. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Um, I kind of like the Purim Suda. Um, getting ready for Purim is always rough, but I do find there's a great simcha around the table once everybody's sitting around to eat. <laughs> yes, I, I could totally relate. There is there's a lot to it. It can be it could get a little crazy beforehand. Yeah, but it's really crazy beforehand. Yes. Yes. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? It's so funny because the only thing that I could think about and it was not me is this young generation of everybody that's tattooing themselves. Mm. So it was not about me. But you know, if it were be if I were to be a non from child, I would want to know the importance of not getting tattooed. So Mm. not personal, but that's what jumped into my head at first. I feel bad. Interesting. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to? I like to give to people and know how they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I've been really trying to take on friends that I felt um, and people in my community that I, I know where they need that help. That's very special. Yes. And finally, I'm Sarah Hanna Silverstein. And today I'm most grateful for um, the health of my children and my husband. I think health is really important. And I think um, we take it for granted a lot. Yes. Sarah Hanna, thank you so much. You've been such a delight. The book again Great. is Moodtopia and you can find it anywhere books are being sold, right? Absolutely. And if everyone, I mean, we all love and hate social media, but I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. And Yael, I started putting up one minute videos on Facebook and Instagram that talk about these herbs. Nice. So in our very, very busy life, they can just take one minute and learn a little bit about an herb or an aroma or an essential oil. So Sarahana Silverstein, Sarahana S on um, Instagram. Instagram and Facebook. And I'm on Twitter, but I don't know how, m- how many people in our listening audience are on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's kind of like facing out. I stopped using yeah. it, to be honest right, with you. But right. so, so anybody could reach if they're interested in a consultation. And maybe I know that you go out to communities to speak. If anybody yes. out there is interested, you know where to find her. Thank you, Sarahana. On my website, sarahana.com, right on the internet. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be in New York next month. So we'll try to make a time to get together. I would love to meet you in person. Give me a me heads too. up and let's land on that. I will. I will. Thank you so much. All the best. Thank you. Great interview. I appreciate it. Thanks to Sarah Hanna Silverstein for stopping by. Again, the book is Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress and Find Balance Using Herbal Remedies, Aromatherapy and More. And you can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can also follow Sarah Hanna on Instagram at Sarah Hanna S. All of this and more back at JewishLatinPrincess.com. A few new blog posts if you're not up to date with those. And of course, the, over there, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is the best way to stay in the loop, I think. Either that or Instagram lately. I've been a little bit more there. Instagram, always Facebook. I'll be sure to put the links to my daughter's fundraising page also on the show notes for today. But once again, that link is chidondrive.com forward slash 140145. And the password to enter the fundraising page is Done drive 5779. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Next week, we kick it off with one of my public speaking coaches, the fabulous Adrian Gold, international Jewish educator. If you don't know her, you want to know her. So stay tuned for that. Have a lovely week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. 
To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.